Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Live in Conversation. Um, so, um, something happened, um, not relating to the campaign or anything, it's just something I feel I should uh, speak out on and support, um, because I do support it. Um, so everyone knows about the current ongoing writer's strike and everything. Hollywood writers are going on strike because they're not paid fairly, And several other things, you know. And now, to a similar accord, a union of Hollywood actors are also threatening to go on strike um, if, you know, they aren't paid fairly. Um, And the proposal also introduces anti-artificial intelligence um, to protect the actors' likenesses from being used without their consent or without their approval. Um... So, yeah, so now we have over 100,000 is, I think, the size of the union. Over 100,000 actors are now potentially going to be going on strike. And, you know, it, this this is a pretty big deal. Um, you know, the last time I believe they went on strike was in the 80s. And the last time that writers and actors were on strike simultaneously was in the 60s when former President Ronald Reagan was actually the president of, I believe, the SAG, which has to do with the whole strike situation for actors. So, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Um, And, you know, as much as I would like to, you know, just like wave this off and, you know, not talk about it, I feel like it is important because, you know, Los Angeles, Hollywood, you know, Hollywood is where all these films are mostly filmed, you know, so it's like, oh, geez, there's gonna be some big, big crowds of, um, protesters and a whole strike going on, which I 100% support, um, you know, so I've obviously openly gone out and supported the writer's strike, you know, and I'm gonna do the same for the actor's strike, 100%, you know, um, there needs to be fair representation, there needs to be fair pay, there needs to be, you know, anti-AI regulations, you know, Everybody has used ChatGPT at this point, including me. I'm not going to lie. I, I haven't used it for anything campaign-related. I've just used it to try it out because I was a little curious. But when I tried it out, it was a little bit scary. I do have to say, you know, I, I, I just asked it, like, a few simple questions, and it gives me, like, paragraphs. And I'm like, Jesus, I can't even type that fast. <laughs> We're going to have an AI here. What the hell? Um, so yeah, I was very, very concerned in a way, um, that it could take over literally everything, but, um, you know, it's just the chatbot, I don't think it's gonna do that, but at the same time, there needs to be preemptives and everything, and that does make a lot of sense, obviously, because technology's only going to advance, you can't just tell a technology to stop growing, it's like if you go up to your kid, you know, sarcastically, I've heard many mothers and fathers say this before they're their children, you know, they tell them to, like, stop growing, obviously, as a joke, but, you know, it, it, it's not gonna work, like, they can't stop growing, same thing with technology, you can't tell technology as a whole to stop growing, it's not gonna stop growing, it's gonna keep advancing, and it's gonna keep getting more advanced, like, that's just, that's just how it works, you know, ne- people are never gonna stop inventing new technologies, so, you know, I just find the coincidence that we're having so many strikes at the same time is a little bit odd. You know, I I almost feel like, uh, inf- ooh, <laughs> I also just woke up this morning, so, you know, 
I've been trying to record these episodes earlier in the day so I can see if they go up early, because apparently they've been going up before their intended release dates and times. So, you know, I'm just trying to test the theory out. And yesterday, I'm pretty sure it did. But anyways, whatever. Um, so, basically, I I, I don't know. I, I feel like, personally, it, it's just like, there has to be a connection to something here. Because this has not happened like this since the 1960s, where it's happened simultaneously with writers. Now, obviously, they have not declared an actual strike yet, but they are uh, they are saying they are ready for a strike. They are fully prepared for a strike, and they will strike if if they feel it necessary. Now, we haven't had a re- an actor strike at all with within that actors' union since the eighties. I believe it was actually nineteen eighty. So, you know, it's a little concerning because this has not happened in, geez, how many decades? Four decades almost, I believe. 2020, 2010s, 2000s, five decades. It's been five decades. Because, yeah, the 2020s. It's been five decades. Five decades ago is when the last actor strike happened within that actors' union. Um, and then the last time a writer's strike and an actor's strike happened simultaneously was in the 1960s, which is seven decades ago. So it, it's pretty alarming, you know, how long ago this stuff has happened simultaneously within the same groups and organizations and unions. And, and now it's just happening again. And, you know, they could say, oh, maybe they're just getting greedy or something. But, I mean, I feel like inflation does have something to do with this. Obviously, you know, me personally, I've been very anti-inflation. I've been very anti-taxing the lower classes and the working classes. I've been very pro-taxing the rich and taxing the big corporations and the mass polluters. You know, I've been very, very, very um, vocal on how I support, you know, taxing rich, taxing companies, taxing, you know, the people that cause pollution to spread, you know, and then taking the money. Obviously, I, I... informally introduced my city pollution tax, which would basically go to all mass pollutants in the city, such as factories, warehouses, manufacturing facilities, and tax them for the pollution they cause. And I actually made an amendment to my initial plan. My initial plan was just going to be fixed rate, you know, however much money it is. But I say, personally, that we monitor how much pollution and how many toxic gases are coming out of every single warehouse in the city. Every single warehouse, every single manufacturer, any place that causes pollution to a level that it actually causes the air quality to increase needs to file a specific line of paperwork stating that they are a warehouse, they are a facility within Los Angeles, California, which means we will regularly be inspecting the amount of pollutants that exit that building. And the amount of pollutants that exit that building will determine the amount of money that you have to pay. So, you know, if there's a big issue in one side of the city where pollution is way worse than on the other side of the city, the, that side of the city, those warehouses and those factories are going to have a bit of a tax raise compared to the other side. But that's strictly just because, let's say it was for some reason perfectly split down the middle of the city. Let's say East Los Angeles has all the pollution and West Los Angeles has barely any or any 
pollutants, you know, but it's starting to cross over to the other side. Let's just say it's everywhere. Let's say the air pollution is everywhere, but the things causing the air to pollute are all on one side. Let's just say, for example, you know, just, just to make the example a little bit easier to understand, that would make a whole side of the city's warehouses and manufacturing facilities have to pay a city pollution tax. And, you know, I don't know exactly how we're, we're 100% going to be able to, you know, constantly enforce that. That's why I, w- I was going with the fixed rate initially. You know, you have to pay X, Y, and Z amount if you're... So basically, I was originally going to go off of fixed rates. So I believe it was going to be like a, a few preset fixed rates, depending on the size of your place and your employ- the amount of employees you employ. Um, We were going to do something like that, and then I was like, we should just judge it based on the amount of pollution coming out of that building, but I'm almost certain that there's no way to do that as of right now, um, other than looking at, you know, the hours of operation, how long they're doing this stuff, and then just observing, you know, observing the amount of, um, you know, toxic gases that exit that building, you know. Um, now it would be a little difficult of a task if we did go about it that way. However, I feel like it is in a way more efficient because then you're judging them not on the size of their building or, you know, the amount of employees they have, but you're all, you're judging them off of the amount of pollution that is happening, which also is is difficult because judging the amount of pollution that they output is difficult because so many warehouses are close to each other and so many pollutants are close to each other. So all their gases just merge together, create huge air quality misbalances, and that goes all over the city. That's why, you know, consistently, especially during the summer season, you're seeing the air quality index in Los Angeles reach into the hundreds on occasion. You know, you're seeing it reach into the unhealthy for sensitive groups category on the air quality index. And sensitive groups can be elderly, youth, people with asthma, people with respiratory issues, even people with allergies. It can affect people with certain allergies. I would know. I was in New Jersey, which is also affected during the New York City orange sky smoke that recently happened. I was there. I went outside for two minutes and I almost fainted from from the fumes in the air. The sky was orange and the sun was red. That is not normal. In, in what dystopian society is that normal? That is extremely abnormal. You know, I, I understand it wasn't from something like a, like a big warehouse or a big factory, but still... Wildfires can additionally be caused by climate change. People seem to deny that it is possible, but it is possible. We're not sure what caused it. It could have been some crazy person, you know, that actually lit a fire. It could have been somebody that didn't put a campfire out correctly. You know, it could have been somebody left fireworks or somebody left something stupid in the woods, you know. Point being, though, we have to make sure that this doesn't happen because wildfires are also a big issue in northern Los Angeles, toward the hills, um, you know, we have constant wildfires that affect, you know, the the rich neighborhoods, if you will, on the Hollywood Hills. And that doesn't just affect them. Yes, their houses are the ones getting burnt down. But additionally, all of that smoke from not just not just the houses, but also from the wildfire itself, 
all that smoke piled together goes right into the city. Right into the city. Straight shot into the city most of the time. And do you want to be breathing smoke? No. You never want to be breathing smoke. Breathing smoke is honestly probably one of the worst things you could possibly breathe in. Honestly, in my opinion, that that can just randomly happen due to a fire. Like, that's like the worst thing that I've ever breathed in in my life. Like, it almost made me faint. But to be fair, the wildfire in Canada was a lot bigger than I think any other ones I've ever seen. So, yeah, but like, we, we just have to really monitor the woods. We have to make sure that wildfires do not consistently happen. Because, you know, we, we had we had wildfire happen in 2020. Um, and as far as I'm aware, it has not happened since. So, I don't know, maybe the climate fixed itself. Who knows? <laughs> maybe the climate's moved on from us. But I'm just saying we need to keep our eyes peeled. And we need to ensure that there's fire safety and fire prevention to prevent wildfires from spreading toward the Los Angeles area. You know, I would personally work um work with any surrounding um cities towns um any anybody surrounding los angeles any of the mayors i'll work with any of them if any and all of them to ensure that we we establish a task force to you know collaborate on preventing wildfires from spreading into that region because, you know, a lot of people seem to think, oh, it, it just ends at the Hollywood Hills. There, There's more stuff behind there. Sure, you know, it might not be quote-unquote relevant, but it is still there. And I still acknowledge that. You know, some people seem to think it's a game of relevance when it isn't. It's a game of life and death it is what happens in a fire, if we're being realistic. It is a game of life and death. You don't know if your house is going to burn down. You don't know if it's going to be able to stay. That, that is the game of life and death. That is, that is the gambling game that you are forced to play when a wildfire comes near your house. That is exactly the game that you are forced to play. You don't have a choice. You can't just put a dome over your house and expect the fire to go around it. That makes no sense. So, yeah. But, um... Hold on here. So, yeah. That was about the actor strike and the fires, of course. Um... Now, oh Jesus, my allergies are so bad. I'm so sorry about that. Hmm. I'm trying to find stuff that's interesting to talk about. Hmm. Nothing interesting is going on. <laughs> or my phone just isn't loading. I, my phone hasn't been loading lately. I have no idea why, honestly. Um, let's see what's going on in the world. Probably nothing great. Honestly, it's probably nothing great here. Um, nothing's really happened recently. It's, it's kind of been boring (laughs) in a way. Um, so, hold on. I know this is a really awkward pause and I'm like trying to talk to make it less awkward, but, um, you know, it's just funny that I can't find anything because I'm always able to find something to keep the talk go go away on. So, 
Oh, that that is very interesting. So the Ron DeSantis campaign for president, if you don't know, which is something I would absolutely throw up about if he ever became president. But anyways, his campaign for president, he's selling one yard sign for $15 and three for 70 <laughs> Something isn't adding up here, y'all. Um, I'm very, very, very confused as to what he is doing with that money. You know, I can't slander him anymore. He's not just the governor. He's he's a presidential candidate. So I, I can't I can't say what I want to say, especially because I'm on a podcast right now. I can't say what I want to say. But if you know me, you know I hate Ron. You know I hate the Ronald. Um, and you know I hate the Donald, too. I hate the both of them. So <laughs> I despise them both. So if, if you know me, you know what I really want to say right now. And if you don't, then it's fine. It's it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, I've been very, very um, anti, anti-DeSantis and anti-Trump as well. Um, so. Hold on here. Oh, wow. Inflation tumbled to 3% in June, making a 12th consecutive month of declines. I'm not so certain about that because everything is still very inflated for me. <laughs> I, go out, I go out on his way too much money. <laughs> like, things used to be way cheaper. We need to bring it back. <laughs> because, you know, paying so much money for so much stuff is ridiculous. Like, we just, we just, need, to, we just need to stop. <laughs> like... Inflation needs to go. Inflation has to go. Uh, that's what I think. Oh my goodness. Ugh. Oh, I am so sorry about that one. Oh, wow. Florida is now America's inflation hotspot. Oh. <laughs> Says the person who's anti-inflation, Ron. What? Oh no. What happened? What happened? Oh, I feel so bad. I really don't. I don't feel bad at all. He kind of deserves it. The people don't deserve it, but he deserves He deserves to have the headline written about him. <laughs> the people don't deserve it, though. But, um... There really is nothing to talk about. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Here comes the Joe Biden stands. They're all talking about the 3% inflation... Oh, it's been the lowest in two years. What about, like, the additional year that he was in office? (laughs) Or wait, no, I don't think that counts. Yeah, it is three. It's been three. So I'm not delusional. I'm right. Bro, (laughs) you cannot be serious. Like, dude, why are y'all bragging? If y'all included the next year before that, if y'all added the extra year... Oh, the numbers would have been way different, personally, I feel like. You know, that there's no way they would have stayed exactly the same. So, you know, I'm calling a little bit of cap, if you will, on that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just can't stand how, you know, the DNC, and that's why I left the party. You know, I saw a, a representative or a senator, I believe, from Atlanta leave the Democrat Party and go to the Republican Party. But only because she didn't like what the DNC was doing and their progressivism. Then why would you join the Democratic Party? 
Like, jeez, lady. I, I could not stand it. At first, I didn't realize she joined the Republican Party, so I, I put it a like and I put it a follow. And then I realized she joined the Republican Party. Unfollow, unlike, get out my face. <laughs> like, no. I refuse. That is that is awful. That's the worst decision you could ever make. Because I guarantee you that next election she's running in, she's losing it. She's losing it. Because she won as a Democrat. She's not going to win as a Republican. No one is going to vote for her as a Republican, knowing that she supports fascism and, and, and you know, homophobia and, and racism. You know, they support all that. So why are you going to them? Like, it just makes no sense. You know, I made a choice to leave them go independent for a little bit, and then endorse the Green Party. I'm not a member of the Green Party officially, but I endorse the Green Party. I'm seeking their endorsement additionally because, you know, nonpartisan elections. Thank you, California. But, um, you know, nonpartisan elections, which to be fair, though, it does make it easier to run. It does make it easier to file, um, you know, like campaign papers and everything compared to, you know, New York or something like that where there are partisan elections because then you have to win a primary and winning a primary is very, very difficult. So it would have been a whole other election. So, you know, I mean, I, I can understand why it's nonpartisan. It allows more candidates to freely make it to the end of the race. So, you know, you know, I'll take advantage of that. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I just... I'm just not sure, you know, what all this talk is. You know, I've been hearing that my, my opponent that I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be facing off against could be running for governor. <laughs> I, I've heard it around. I, I, I've heard it around. The rumors have been circulating. Um, let me see if anything online is about that. Hold on, let's check. Because I don't know. Because, like, I really don't. I I heard that she's going to go run for governor. That's what I supposedly heard. Oh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is, this is, this is the cake right here. June 18th, which is 18 days after I announced my campaign. I announced my campaign on June 1st officially came out and said, I'm running for mayor. Karen Bass, June 18th, 2023, sets lofty goal of ending street homelessness in Los Angeles by 2026. Wouldn't you look at that? That's the year our election is. So, you know how I I was saying it previously, and I I wasn't actually saying it and pinning it on her, but it seemed very odd, and I've just realized the year that she plans to and homelessness is is also the year of her next election which is the election I'm competing in and I have a way more progressive agenda than her on top of that I have a way more actually helpful homelessness prevention plan I have a housing crisis plan I have plans for everything you could possibly think of and I'm what she's I believe 70 now I believe she's 70 no disrespect when it comes to age, I'm just trying to compare our ages. Just just to show, like, I already have plans for everything, and I just launched this campaign. She's 69 years old. 
So let's see the age difference here. Hold up. Currently, I am 54 years younger than the current mayor. 54 years younger. Actively. You know, it, it's it's going to be... Hold on. It's going to be 53 for a little bit. And then after that, it's going to be 54 again. But anyways, I am 54 years younger than the current mayor. Um, just in case you guys wanted to know. Yeah, I'm 54 years younger. So, I am not certain about why why people voted her in, if I'm being really honest with you guys. I, I just find it really weird. Because, you know, you got Mayor Bass. And it's like, I'm 54 years younger. I have better policies already. I have more policies already than you had at this point. And I, I probably had less time to plan this election. You know, I, I planned this maybe five to six months for five to six months and then launched it June 1st and then magically June 18th after I started talking about the homelessness crisis a lot and how I would immediately take action to do it. And then I uh, after that, I said, you know, I would literally go out there hands on and assist in my free time. And I would not 100 percent of my free time. You know, I need a little, little itty bitty bit of free time. But other than that, I can donate a good majority of it. I can donate a good majority of it, you know. So basically, you know, I, I just find it funny that, that Mayor Bass decides we're going to end homelessness by 2026 when that's the year that she's meant to be facing off against me in an election, which homelessness is, is like the biggest topic. And who knows, maybe she'll end up managing to do it. Maybe she'll manage to, to successfully end homelessness in the, in, in, the, uh, in the city. And if she does, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, she's the one. She's the chosen one, all right? But that's, that's realistically, if you're setting such a strict goal just to meet a goal for an election, maybe it's not specifically about me uh, as an opponent, but... It is about the next election, though, because why would you choose 2026? True, it is giving you the most time that you know of right now, but it is also to look good by the time the election happens. Because right now, if anything, people are looking like, what? Why are you doing that by the year of an election? Like, it, it looks a little fishy. But then by the time the election runs around, they're going to forget all about the initial announcement. And, the, and let's just say she does it. <sighs> Oh my goodness, sorry. Let, let's just say she, uh, let's say it's like fast forward to 2026 right now. She successfully managed to get rid of a good, good, good amount of the homelessness crisis, right? Somehow, right? And everyone has forgotten about the way she announced it and the language she used by 2026, you know, which is also coincidentally her next election year, the year she's up for re-election. So... I, I just find it awkward that, you know, it, it's it's almost like early PR for a re-election run. That's why I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know about that. So, Mayor Bass, I got my eyes on you. I know that's not really that scary, but it's not meant to be. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I have my eyes on you, and... um we are going to win this election. I have my mind made up. We are going to take down the establishment and we are going to speak 
uh, we're going to have a people's voice in, in city hall for the first time, like ever, pretty much that, that somebody actually fully cared about the people more than, you know, my sleep schedule. (laughs) I said this last episode, I don't care if I don't, if I have no sleep for two days straight, if I'm able to accomplish what I need to accomplish without sleeping for two days straight, then I will do it. I will, I will stay up for two days. I will stay up for 48 hours. I do not care about my own sleep schedule. As long as change is made in the most quick and efficient manner possible, I will be happy. I will be able to easily do this stuff with no sleep. You know, meanwhile, Mayor Bass, on the other hand, she might need a few hours. But me, I would be the youngest mayor ever elected in Los Angeles history. I would be 18 or 19 by the time I'm elected. I'd be the youngest in Los Angeles history to be successfully crowned as mayor. That is a fact. I'd be the youngest mayor in Los Angeles. I'd also be the first openly gay uh, mayor of Los Angeles. So, yeah, you know, and I'm pretty sure I would be one of the first mayors, I believe, to endorse the Green Party. So, hey, you know, (laughs) and to have a very, very um, diverse campaign. I I would say this is one of the most diverse campaigns I've ever seen. And that's strictly because I have my mind made up on all the issues I believe are real, which is all of them. Every single issue you could possibly think of is an issue. Or if it is not an issue, it's going to become one in the near future. And that is a mark my word statement that is going to happen. And when it does happen, let's just say I, I get elected. Let's say it happens after I've already taken action. At least the action is there. The stuff is in place and we're ready to move on it. You see what I mean? Politics has always been a game of right here, right now. And that's great. That is exactly what we need. But we need to divide the time. We cannot just worry about the right here, right now. We need to worry about the past and the mistakes that have been made in there and how it is affecting the current present day. And we also need to worry about the future and the near future, especially, and what can possibly come come of it due to our decisions and also due to others' decisions and just due to, you know, how the earth works and how the world is progressing, you know? So, you know, that, that's just what I think. You know, politics has always been a game of right here, right now, in the present moment. But we need to worry about the past. We need to worry about the future additionally. You know, the future more so than the past. But we still need to worry about the present moment quite a lot as well. You know, we can't just completely forget about the present moment just to worry about the future. That'd be ridiculous. So, you know, uh, that's, that's personally what my opinion is on the whole matter. You know, I don't care. You know, if you manage to end homelessness by 2026, you're the chosen one. I will bow down on my knees and pray for you or pray to you. You know, you're, you're actually like a savior at that point, but there's no way I refuse to believe it until I see the progress being made. Um, especially considering the fact that I have not seen her helping homeless people herself, like in person one time, like I said, I would So you know, my commitment to them is a lot greater. So, you know, just just remember that for 2026 when you're at the polls um you know i know it's i know it's a good like 3 years from now but just just stick that in the back of your mind and um you know just just stick it in the back of your mind for 3 years from now it's fine <laughs> no but seriously um you know i'll obviously have the podcast still out during the election maybe even after the election who knows so yeah 
All right. But anyways, I feel like I've been rambling long enough. Um, I really have nothing else to talk about today. It's been a pretty dry news morning, unfortunately, for me. Um, so yeah, but thank you. Oh, <laughs> that was an interesting sound. Thank you for listening to, I believe, episode 14 of Live in Conversation. Um, and I'll see you guys next time.